Welcome back to Beyond Culture. I am your host, Ivan. I'm here with my co-host, Abel. Welcome, welcome. Well, this is, I guess, our, be our third installment of, you know, having an episode solely based on the coronavirus. Obviously, in this new setting, you can see I'm back home in Toronto. I got back on, I think, was it on Sunday? I think I got back Sunday. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, got back on, I got back on Sunday. And, bro, I've been... It's just surprising to me because I already had friends that had told me that, oh, um, like the city is kind of like a ghost town or whatever, but like you kind of hear it, but you, it's hard to like envision it unless you really see it. So mm-hmm. I, I remember I got back and then yes, yesterday or the day before we went to, I went to Freshco just to get some, just some snacks or whatever with my brother. Mm-hmm. And then it was, I remember getting there, turning around and then a line outside Fresco. I'm like, I've never seen a line to get into a grocery store. Like mm-hmm. the most you see is a line at the cash, but just to get inside. And what I notice is that what they're trying to do at Fresco and probably at other stores too, is just, they're trying to limit the number of people that are in that store so that you could actually create some sort of six feet separation or now it's 6.5. So mm-hmm. even when we got inside, they had the, they have they put the lines on the floor at the cash so you're six you're six feet apart. But I think they need to move those lines back 0.5 <laughs> because now it's six point five. So that was just shocking. And then we went to went to Costco. So mm-hmm. we're pretty we're pretty like we weren't looking. We don't need like the toilet paper, all that stuff. Like we didn't need that because we're my mom are always like buys accordingly and we've always had enough, right? But we got there and it's just Toilet paper, Lysol, whatever at Costco, all gone, all gone. And even to get to Costco, there was mm-hmm. also a line to get in. So that was really my, but just getting back into the city, I'm just like, bro, this is like it, it's it really is a ghost town. And then you saw the pictures we posted up on uh, that my friend, he's actually going back to Germany, and oh. those are, so he was at Pearson Airport, and he were we were talking on Snapchat, and he sends me those pics. He's like, yo, this is a ghost town. I'm like, oh my goodness! Like, it's it's really it's it really is a ghost town at this yeah. point. Yeah, has has he uh, taken the plane? Yeah, he already went back. I haven't spoken to him since since we since he got back to Germany. The only thing we've spoken about is uh, school because we have mm-hmm. we're we're in the same program. Mm-hmm. We have, I haven't spoken to him about just the situation on the ground in Germany. I'm sure that's gonna eventually come. Mm-hmm. Because I I want to know how was the plane ride if oh the plane ride because <laughs> he because he sent me a snap too of him he had the mask the mask on mm-hmm. like when he was going on a plane so he's obviously taking his thing very seri- taking it very seriously I don't know I can like even on the street in Toronto some people are wearing masks mm-hmm. I can't get myself to wear a mask simply because. We know, like, it's not really recommended for people who aren't sick, but mm-hmm. I do understand the people who wear masks because it's since we know that the virus is transmitted through respiratory droplets. If you breathe it in, then you will definitely get it. So you know, mm-hmm. it's I understand it, but I, I I wouldn't wear a mask myself. Yeah, honestly, uh, yeah, it's not recommended because health workers need masks. So if everybody goes out to to get a mask. Uh, there'll be a shortage for health workers. So, uh, like I honestly, I would recommend for just for people who are be who are outside for longer periods for whatever reasons that may be. 
whether so construction workers so far are still working right so uh for people in those situations it might be useful to wear a mask but if you're just going to buy groceries and then going back home and that's it then uh, you know it's not really it's not really something you need to do um yeah but uh man it's uh wait it's, how's ottawa because I, I, I don't know if you go uh, you can let the people know whether you go outside or not i don't know if you're going <laughs> outside no i'm i'm not going outside i was uh like i was working till like i would say last week but uh yeah but after that stopped working um if like uh, even my work closed and all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. uh but i haven't been so i uh i don't know if you know this but i live quite far away from downtown ottawa and Where do you uh, live? so i, I live in uh, orleans uh, oh orleans Orleans, Come yeah. on, I remember I used to be I was an Ottawa citizen for four months. Exactly. Yeah. So uh like I, I've always stayed uh, near campus, but uh for mm-hmm. like this semester, this year I've been uh, away like a a bit far from uh, campus. Mm-hmm. And uh so it takes me it takes me about like fifty minutes or in in the bus, you know, in public transportation. Like the mm-hmm. bus and then the LRT, the the new train that uh, we have here. Is the train? Is it above ground? Is underground? What is it? It's a it's a mix of both. So when it's uh it's not near downtown, it's above ground, and when it gets near, let's say Rideau and uh, Parliament, it's uh, underground. Oh, so that wasn't there when I was there. No, no, they're they're still building it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's so. Yeah, it takes me about fifteen minutes to to get to university. So I have I've not been, and the the university is pretty much downtown Ottawa, right? For those who yeah. don't know, so I've not been uh, downtown Ottawa for perhaps a week or a week and a half. So I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But the last time I went, uh, the buses were empty. You know, everything was everything was empty. I was, and uh, like I I was. Uh, I went to like downtown near uh, near like near where everything is, you know, the parliament mm-hmm. and everything. There was nobody around those around those areas, and mm-hmm. uh, even people driving in, you will see like the the highway was pretty much empty. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't imagine. I imagine it. You know, it's become has become more empty, right? And um, yeah, but the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the last time I I really went out somewhere, I went to a store. I went to a uh, an LCBO, and then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they had those uh, lines on the floor and stuff. Uh-huh. So it was, yeah, man. You you can you can see that the, the situation is quite grave, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny because on the other podcast, I spoke a bit about how we were like. Just a few weeks ago, we were kind of living in a normal life or whatever it was. And uh, not too long ago, you know you know the friend. I'm not going to say his name out, out here because, you know, I'm not. But he spoke. At, so let's just, to draw a timeline, let's say it was last week. Mm-hmm. He said that he stayed, his statement was like, oh, by this week, which is the week we're in right now, it's all going to be done. Do you think, I'm quoting him verbatim. He's like, do you think this is going to last longer than next week? That's, that's impossible. And clearly, we are, we haven't even, I wouldn't say we haven't even gotten started. Like, there's much more to come. We, the peak isn't here at all. But 
I, I bring this up because uh, Anthony Fauci really has the perfect quote for this. Like, because everybody's trying to make the timeline, trying to figure out when mm-hmm. is it going to done. When are we going to be done this quarantine? When is this virus going to be done? When when are we going to go back to normal life? And then Anthony Fauci said, "The virus makes the timeline. Like, we don't get to make the timeline. We mm-hmm. can put all these precautions, all these quarantines in place, but until we see the spread of the virus diminishing and mm-hmm. we look at the numbers, and that's what's happening, we mm-hmm. just." We can't give you a timeline. That's what every official is saying. I don't know because they don't know. Only the virus knows. Yeah, yeah. It, man, it, we'll talk about the timeline in a little bit. I want to, uh, I'll like I further in the episode. I'll t- like I'll tell. I'll talk about what public health officials here in Canada are uh, are positing for the timeline and uh, like what the government is preparing for. You know, obviously, no one knows the timeline, but uh, you already have uh, people are like the public health officials are already coming up with best case or worst case scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll get into that later on. But man, it's uh, it's uh, it's been quite rough, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we can even trans. I'm gonna start talking about a bit about the U.S. response like this mm-hmm. week and a bit of the end of last week. But I think the craziest thing that I really, I found it's not really crazy, but it's, it, it really paints a picture of how how much travel has impacted those countries that are at the at, that have higher rates of coronavirus cases. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the top countries that like that receive international travelers, it's France, Spain, mm-hmm. U.S., China, Italy. So let's take China out of Ooh. the equation because China is where the virus originally broke out from. So we'll take, the, we'll take China out. So if you look at now the overall number of cases worldwide, like just by numbers, so you have USA, Italy, China, Spain. So those are your top four. France, mm-hmm. is, uh, France is a bit lower. It's like eighth. It's like seventh or eighth. So you really see how travel is one of the main factors that, that, that is driving up those, those number of cases within these countries, right? Mm-hmm. And... I say that because what we saw in Italy and Anthony Fauci spoke spoke a bit about that is that Italy it was kind of too late for them to really stop the spread because what what had happened is that they just had way too many travelers during this during that season during the season that that we're in right now so at the mm-hmm. point where they're trying to lock it down they already had too many international travelers and the virus was just widespread so mm-hmm. it kind of really caught caught them caught them off and they weren't really able to handle that right mm-hmm. so now what we see in the u.s is new york the state of new york is really the epicenter of the of like in of the outbreak in the in the u.s and i for me really looking at it the leadership that andrew cuomo has shown is that in that state has been very like a lot of people are saying that he should that's presidential behavior like this is what we expect of our leaders because he's just been pro like some you see that some states some state governors are kind of talking like oh the the um the the government isn't helping us or whatever but andrew cuomo has been very proactive in mm-hmm. purchasing uh different material he needs so for a lot of people it's like you this guy and the way he speaks too he's very presidential and he's just very he's very serious very serious to like he understand the gravity of the situation but also he offers same at the same time he offers hope he offers hope, but very responsibly. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what you expect of a leader, and it's kind of what you're not seeing from Donald Trump. People are often 
comparing the two. I don't know if you've seen that. Like, it's very, mm-hmm. very stark contrast on how they've been uh, handling it, right? So, what's happening is in New York is that their cases are doubling every three days. So, they have over, right now, I believe New York New York has 44, 44 just over 44,000 cases. So, that's basically almost half of the cases in all of America. Mm-hmm. And they have 519 deaths in New York. So, New York is expecting is expecting that their peak will be in the next two, three weeks. So that's where they'll see their maximum number of cases in the next two, three weeks. And they're like a lot of other other states, they're experiencing a shortage in um in, in uh, a shortage in what do you call that again? The um, in respirator in respirators? R- respirator what do you call that again? Respirators. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> respirators. Respirators. Yeah, respirators. So they're speaking of the respirators. And what they've done to just minimize that impact of shortages on respirators mm-hmm. is that they've designed the respirator to be able to accommodate two patients. So they oh. kind of changed the design of it. And I'm not, I'm no engineer, but <laughs> I was just reading, I was reading about it. Like you can add, they add another tube in it, and then it, it's, it sounds simple, but I'm sure it's very complicated. So they just passed, so they just approved that technology, and now each respirator uh, in the state of New York could accommodate two people Auto- automatically. That helps the process a lot That's more. That's amazing. And yeah, it really helps the process a lot. Mm-hmm. On top of that, uh, Governor Cuomo was talking about how, in terms of PPE equipment, which is personal protective equipment for the frontline uh, doctors, because those two are diminishing very rapidly. And he's been uh, trying to gear the state productions like for, from different factories into producing these personal protective equipment. But one of his main things he was talking about, like his main, let's say, beef, is that he believes that PPE equipment should be nationalized and distributed by the government. The reason for that being is that what he's seeing is that different states such as New York, California, um, they're all, they're all bidding for these, uh, those PPE for, for these equipments, right? And what we see is the, tri- the price is, the price is going way, way, way up. So what he wants is that he wants for the government to nationalize basically the production and the distribution so that you don't have different states bidding for it, right? We're all, it's the United States of America. I doesn't believe that we should all be trying to bid for equipment that we all need. So if the if the government nationalizes it, then you kind of have a even distribution, obviously based on cases and et cetera. But in, I think the, the one of the most grim things I've, I read about in New York is the, so the New York Bellevue Hospital, basically they've had so many deaths that they're, they're, they're making makeshift, makeshift, makeshift like morgues. So they're using tents, they're using refrigerated trucks. Like it's really, it's gotten to that point in New York. Like New York is getting really, really bad. And, um, so basically the Army Corps of Engineers have also have arrived in the state of New York and also have asked Governor Cuomo to identify facilities where they could also build hospitals. Cause that's what, cause they're not, they don't want to, they don't have time to be building hospitals like China did. They build a hospital in I don't know how many days, but what they're going to do is use existing facilities and just design them for them to be hospitals, right? And moving, moving on basically to what Trump has been saying this week, because what Trump has been saying this week for 
as I was uh, talking about uh, basically what's happening in New York, kind of wanted to get into the what Trump has been uh, talking about this week and late of last week. So um, on uh, Sunday, he tweeted, like, we cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself. So obviously, mm-hmm. he's referring to the economy in, at this moment. So, and he added on, like, at the end of the 15-day period, which is going to be next Monday, next month, between Monday and Tuesday, the next one, uh, we will make a decision on which way to go, which way we want to go. So we've seen from Trump that he wants to basically reopen the economy. He talks a lot about how people want to go back to work, et cetera, et cetera. Cause we've been seeing the, how the Dow has plummeted, was plummeting, you know, before a finally rose on a Tuesday by 11%, which was the, his, its highest growth since 1933. So Trump really wants to open up the economy because he's been one of those presidents that has, that is running his reelection campaign on the economy because he does have a good economy, right? So mm-hmm. that's what he's trying to, he's trying to possibly loosen up the restrictions when he was doing the Fox News, doing the Fox News, uh, basically live town hall from, uh, the White House garden. He said that he wants to loosen the restrictions by Easter, April 12th as, uh, <laughs> I remember, and then the interviewer was like, Wow, it's, it's as if as if the economy will be resurrected, you know. For those who know the story of <laughs> Easter, <laughs> but basically, a lot of his officials are they're not like they're technically advising against it. They're like, but they're saying you can't really, you can't really say that you're going to open it up by Easter because we don't really know how it's going to look. So what Trump is trying to do is kind of make a list of medium, high to low risk uh, counties. So that he's like, in those counties where it's such low risk, why don't we just reopen the economy and let them go back to work and et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't work unless you basically restrict travel in the whole state. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't reopen the economy in certain counties and allow travel to continue within the country. And on top of that, it's not because some areas are low risk that you can't experience an outbreak. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of flaws that are good that go into wanting to reopen portions of the country. But mm-hmm. basically, as I was talking before, the Dow on Tuesday had its highest growth of 11%. And that was mm-hmm. as the, as Trump was talking about reopening economy, but, but mainly because the, 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 basically the $2 trillion uh, stimulus package was also being debated. So as it was getting mm-hmm. debated later on to the night, the Dow actually plummeted towards the end of the night because they were still debating it. And, where, where we saw the debate was because, um, so Democrats believe that those, cause as we talk about the, the bail, the quote unquote bailouts, they're like, they're, they don't, they didn't want there to be no oversight on the loan system given to these, uh, companies that were, that were basically getting bailed out, right? So they wanted some sort of oversight because they didn't want those loans being given unrestrictedly. They really wanted oversight. And then, mm-hmm. What on the other hand, you saw the govern the um, the Republicans saying, "Wait a minute here," because as they they kept on the they kept on debating, the Republicans were like, "Wait a minute here." Some people will make more money with this an unemployment insurance than they would if they if they were working. Specifically, I'm pointing to uh, Senator Lindsey Graham. He's like, "You're literally incentivizing the taking people out of the workforce workforce mm-hmm. at a time when they need critical infrastructure supplied with workers." He said it on Wednesday night, and he was referring to the unemployment benefits that the Democrats also wanted to widen a bit. And I'll get to those mm-hmm. numbers later on. But to me, I looked at it this way. If 
Because these unemployment benefits are only going to last four months. If some, if somebody is willing to risk their full-time employment for to be on unemployment insurance that only lasts four months, first of all, not many people are going to do that because that's just not smart because you also have to apply for unemployment insurance. So you're not 100% sure that you're going to get it. So you have to apply for it first. And then second, the second of all, if somebody is really going to leave their, 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 uh, employment situation for unemployment insurance that only lasts for four months, that means they're, they must be in a really tough place, like a really, really tough place. So you already see for me the, the argument that you incentivize unemployment, I don't think it, it, I don't think it really, it really holds weight. And so what we saw, uh, with this $2 trillion plan that was just actually passed today by the house is that, uh, the main, the key points is that student, uh, loan borrowers, like the, the loan system will be stopped till September 30th. And, uh, Americans will receive $600 a week for four months on top of their state benefits. And there's a $500, a 500 billion, uh, lending program. This is what we're talking about. This is what the Democrats wanted specifically. The, they wanted some oversight on these, this $500 billion lending program is going towards all those businesses. There's, and 20, specifically 25 billion of that is going to the air industry. So, so the, that there will be oversight on that because the Democrats put that in the bill. Uh, and then there's 117 billion going, uh, 117 billion that is going specifically to hospitals that are needed. And obviously way more is going into research and et cetera. And in terms of taxpayers, $1,200, dollars uh, so $1,200 is going to Americans making up to 75,000. And then as you, as you go more up the ladder in terms of your income, then that phases out. And, mm-hmm. and there's $500 per child in that tax plan. And yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty much the U.S. response. Okay. And, uh, yeah, just to clarify, I'd like to let our listeners know that we're recording this on, uh, Friday, uh, March 27th. And, uh, so I, I wanted to, uh, just to ask you. So you're saying the, the bill in the U.S. has passed. So it, it was drafted in the Senate and it passed in the Senate. Uh, with the like there are 96 senators that voted yes and nobody voted no because the only people who could have vote, the only person who could have voted no was is in quarantine and uh, so and so it went to the lower house uh, to congress uh, so um, so as the bill passed in the the lower house yeah it just it, just, it passed today Okay. Because so right now, seeing... yeah. So right now the bill is on its way to Trump's desk, and he should be signing it. If he's if he's that guy, he'll be signing it like tonight. Okay, I see. Yeah, because I saw a few. Uh, like I saw AOC, for example, who was uh, who's uh, saying that who's uh, expressing some discontent about the the bill. I saw there's one uh, GOP congressman who. Who was making some noise? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, yeah, he was trying to have people come in like physically and cast their cast their votes instead of having a uh, voice uh, voice votes. So yeah, okay. But that so but they're that doing passed, it. To, that passed. That passed. Okay, so they're doing it from uh, like the people aren't coming back to to some people. Some people, I'm pretty sure some people did come back, but they but um, they didn't have to. They didn't have to come back. 
They, okay. I don't know, I don't know, because they had no, so they have to come back basically to. I don't know how it works. Um, there's legislation where it's like you, you have to come back basically to block him from putting that motion forth. So they come back mm-hmm. to block them from putting that motion forth, but you know they still did voice votes or whatever. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. Well, so that has been the U.S. response, uh, and now I'd like to get into the Canadian response here. So uh, on the Canada on Canada's side, basically, as we talked about in in the last episode, the government uh, proposed a, a stimulus package that was uh, that was roughly of totaling like eighty two billions, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And then, and then you have basically you had uh, you had the speaker of the house uh, recall some members of parliament. I believe the, the total number was around thirty. And then uh, you had basically the the first uh, the, the the bill that was presented that was proposed by the government was really controversial. So you had you needed parties political parties here in canada to kind of work and uh, negotiate another bill or at least add some things and take out some things from the original bill uh so the bill ended ended up uh, being worth spend it'll spend 107 billion dollars but uh, the controversial part uh, that that created that created a, a big like a a big mess uh, uh, this week was that uh, the government was trying to have was trying to get spending power from from parliament was so basically the parliament the government would be able to spend as much money as it it wants for 21 months so till the end of uh, 2021 mm-hmm. and then uh, so and then the, the the conservative party came out and and reacted to that and said okay this is a power grab you can't you can't just ask uh, par- the parliament to give you one of like one of its most influential power which is the power to approve any spending from the government right mm-hmm. and i'm gonna say, just sorry to interrupt but for me too i i my first take was the same as i thought they were trying to sneak it in or something oh yeah it's so as as we're talking about it it was so all, it was all bizarre because first mm-hmm. of all nobody saw the bill before so nobody saw the original bill apart from the political parties nobody saw the uh, the, the the other bill that was uh, that was passed mm-hmm. uh apart uh, from even online i went to the parliament's website yep. the bill wasn't there so they passed the like it passed the second reading and then the third reading and like so they basically passed the bill at like 6 a.m mm-hmm. uh now it's like two days ago i think mm-hmm. and i was up till 6 a.m watching the debate in in parliament oh, really? and this funny yeah. thing is i was i was uh i was just watching till um just because i i i knew they at that moment it was about 3 3 a.m because i was following mm-hmm. it for the the beyond culture twitter just to see what's going mm-hmm. on and about 3 a.m uh the Polyev tweeted, okay, it's fine. We finally got through it. And I remember mm-hmm. I, I, I tweeted about it. I'm like, they finally reached an agreement mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. eventually going to get passed uh, mm-hmm. by today. Yeah, so they, they got uh, the agreement around 3 a.m. and then they went in the house to basically fast track the bill and pass it on the same day. Uh, so so they had all the debates, the questions, everything in that like 
from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. basically. Yeah. And I, I was watching all of that. And uh, as, 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 as I was watching it, I went online to, to see the bill, right? Yeah. Because, uh, so it was being read, it was being read in the house, but I also just wanted to see like the written copy of it. And it wasn't there. It was, I, I found it when I woke up. Mm-hmm. Uh, on then, that day, on the, you say the next day. <laughs> yeah, on, <laughs> on that day. But uh, yeah, so so basically, this is what the new bill does. So it uh, it gives a d- direct payment to to support low and modest income families. So it protects seniors' retirement retirement savings by reducing the minimum RRIF re- withdrawal. Uh, it gives up to. Uh, $300 more per child for parents through the Canada Child Benefit. And it gives temporary wage subsidies for small business, for small employers to keep uh, employees on the payroll. I'll come back to the wage, wage subsidy because it, it has now just increased. Yeah. It, originally, it was 10% wage subsidy, but now uh, the government... The government, the prime minister announced this morning that the, the wage subsidy will go up to 75 percent. So mm-hmm. which is quite a big, big uh, uh, increase there. But the main I guess the main part of this bill were people, like for most Canadians is the five hundred dollars per week for Canadians who lose income due to COVID-19 mm-hmm. through the Canada emergency response benefits mm-hmm. and uh, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit but i also want to mention some other things that the the bill the, the government is doing through the bill you they'll try to prevent shortages for patent patent drugs drugs and medical devices though the government will pause repayments this is the federal government it'll pause repayments for uh canada for student loans in Canada for six months. Are they, so, wait, just a moment, are they uh, pausing repayments or are they pausing the interest accruing, uh, the interest payments? Or? So, so basically it's a six, it's a six month moratorium. Uh, so six months moratorium. pause. Yeah. Moratorium. <laughs> it's, it's a tough day, man. So it's a six it's a month um, moratorium yeah. and it, it'll be interest free. So there are, the interests aren't going to uh, going to accumulate on mm-hmm. the on the loans, and uh, basically, you know, it's as if uh, in six months it'll be as if you just continued paying the following month. You know, mm-hmm. but prior I'm, to I wonder why COVID-19. they don't they don't just stop the the loan payments altogether. Sorry, I don't, I wonder why they don't just stop the loan payments altogether, just until we pass this. It's just a thought. Well, they they could come back and stop it. So I'll yeah. I'll talk I'll talk about the the powers that the bill has given government. So mm-hmm. so now it's just a six month period, but you, you don't know how the when the crisis is going to be over, right? So yeah. a lot of these things are are flexible and will change as we progress. As we've seen with the wage subsidy, it was ten it was ten percent just a few days ago, and now it's seventy five percent because you had. Uh, small businesses and and uh, other parties, especially the NDP. I saw uh, Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP party, uh, write a letter to get along with other union union members, some unions, to to the prime minister requesting that the they increase the wage subsidy to the levels of uh, European countries. 
So that was prior to this morning, right? So mm -hmm. and uh, and all of that resulted in the government increasing the wage subsidy. And uh, uh, so also the the government will try to protect Canadians' homes by strengthening the market, the mortgage financing market. Uh, the gov the government is uh, I think we said this on the last episode. It, it is working with banks to provide relief to Canadians on a on on a case-to-case -case basis with, yeah. with uh, banks. Uh, so some banks have already reached out to, uh, are reaching out to people. Well, my, uh, I bank with CIBC. They, mm -hmm. uh, they, they told me to update my information if something, uh, if they need to contact me or, or, uh, do something, uh, it can be done. And I know, yes, I know some banks are also, um, trying to, they're, they're saying like, if you need help uh, during these moments, you could uh, possibly try and, uh, uh, set up a meeting or schedule something so that we could, you know, just help alleviate the financial burdens mm -hmm. on your bills or whatever you have coming credit cards or. Yeah, so it's on a case-to-case -case basis. Yeah. So, so if anyone is listening to this and is having uh, troubles with uh, whatever it may be with their banks, just reach out to them. Most banks are are saying that they'll they'll try to be flexible with people. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, especially we're we're approaching the end of the month here. So a lot of people, most people have bills coming coming shortly. So whether it's rent, mortgage, or uh, phone bills or credit cards. So try to, try to, uh, to reach out to whoever you can, if it's the bank or, uh, try to see the, the other government, uh, uh, programs that, that we're, we're talking about here or anything else that we may not cover. But, uh, there's a lot of room for flexibility in this moment. So uh, for a lot of people who, who feel, uh, who feel, uh, uh, insecure, uh, financially, like try to reach out to as many uh, institutions as you can. There's really room for flexibility, and uh, yeah, that's a, that's basically everything I can say. On and that I side. know, and I know for some young people, because just talking to a friend that they, mm -hmm. they're, they're, he's not working anymore. Uh, so he's trying to still navigate the system of trying to apply for unemployment insurance because mm -hmm. it looks, it looks like it's a. It's a tough, it's tough to get it, but, you mm -hmm. know, still consult the website, try to figure mm -hmm. it out. I'm sure, um, it's, I'm sure it's going to be, it's probably going to be tough because so many people are applying. I forgot how many, I forgot what was the numbers of people that have yeah, applied. I think it was like a million or something. Yeah. So there's a lot of people. First, yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of people applying, but, you know, still try, still try. Yeah. And, uh, I would like to talk about the new Canada. Emergency response benefit, so DCERB, mm -hmm. and so basically, it's it'll provide taxable benefit benefits of two thousand dollars a month up up to four months. So as we said, it was like so it's like five hundred dollars per week, mm -hmm. and the, so it's for workers who must stop working due to the, to the coronavirus and uh, and do not have access to paid leave paid leave or other income support. Mm -hmm. So, so as we talked about last, last week, uh, as, before the bill was passed, it was done through two programs, right? It yeah. was, I don't recall the names, but uh, basically it was for people who are, uh, who have to stay home uh, or quarantine, they can't go to work or that kind of stuff. And for people who, for example, uh, lost their jobs, but, 
don't do not have access to to EI the employment insurance. Mm -hmm. So, but now they've combined the the two programs to create this one program for basically everybody who's affected, uh, whose income is affected by uh, the coronavirus. Uh, whether you still have, whether you still have a job but are not receiving a you're not receiving payments, mm -hmm. whether you're a wage earner or well, a self. I just had a question because sorry to interrupt, mm -hmm. but it, this I'm not. Sure, I'm, I want to know was this or put was it was this originally on the bill or did they put, uh, when they were improving the bill they put that in because I know there's some stuff that they have new stuff that they have put into the bill after it's not it's not like backlash but people were just giving them their input on the original on the original bill. So this was done after the first bill. Okay. So this was the result of the negotiations with the the other political parties. Mm. Okay. I yeah. See, I see, I see. Yeah. So uh, as I said, whether you're self-employed uh, and uh, whether you're a contract worker or those kind of things, you can go and read all the all the informations on the on the website. That can, just go to Canada.ca and then you'll there'll be a big uh, thing that says uh, like Canada's response to COVID-19, just go yeah. there. It's easy to find. And, uh, but, and so for people who are, well, it hasn't been clear exactly uh, uh, who can apply, but it, it's, it looks to be quite generous and quite, uh, quite broad for, yeah, for people who can apply. Yeah, I think it's specific. Yeah. It's broad specifically for that reason, so that more people can feel <laughs> like they're eligible for that. Yeah. So I believe most people, like my personal belief, I, I don't have any inside information here, but I think most people who will apply will get will get in. Mm -hmm. The the uh, the the requirement is that you you are a worker and have made like you made a uh, $5,000 in the past 12 months. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the issue that uh, I've seen online people for most people is that they're trying to understand who do they consider to be a worker. Yeah. So is, so for example, is in, in our situation here, we like, we're students, university students, but we usually work part time, right? Mm -hmm. So, and even if you don't work part time during the semesters, you, sometimes you work uh, part time during, you work full time during summer, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, does that make you a worker? Because I, I suppose most uh, people who will work in the summer or part time during the year will probably make, uh, will will reach that threshold of five of five thousand dollars yeah throughout the the entire year so does that does that make you a worker um so the government will so the government is still working on those things but they'll put more information out there the program will be available for, uh, at the beginning of april so mm -hmm. in i suppose next uh, next week sometime at the end of next week mm -hmm. um Cause I'm thinking, I'm thinking mm -hmm. for like, for us that are going to be applying for summer jobs, obviously when you come back, you'll be working here in the summer. If this is still mm -hmm. going on deep into the summer, then technically we've, we've also been impacted by the mm -hmm. coronavirus, right? In terms of employment. Yeah. And it's not just uh, summer employment. It's also, you have, well, graduate students who, work uh, part-time, you know, while doing their master's or PhD or whatever. Yeah. You have 
just other undergrad students or co collegiate students who work to in order to pay rent and those kind of things because uh, you know many students need need to work in or in order to make meet uh, meet uh, ends meet you know so um, yeah so we'll we'll keep we'll keep you in touch uh next week I, I'm, I'm expecting the government to be a bit more clear on that mm -hmm. and uh, as i said and uh so the other thing for businesses uh as i announced uh, the 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 government the prime minister this morning announced that they will be increasing the small and medium sized business uh wage subsidy from 10% to 75% yeah. and that is backdated to uh sunday march 15th and so if that applies to you go and find that information also the uh, the prime minister announced that uh, he announced loans worth up to forty thousand for some forty thousand dollars for some small businesses, uh, and and uh, up to ten thousand dollars of those loans will be for forgiven. So there's a lot of flexibility around this time because this is this is a huge crisis, man. Yeah. And and I'll talk about the the forecast of the of the economy a bit later but uh, man this is one of the biggest crises uh, I think, the world has known <laughs> yeah cuz I, I i look at it this way like there's moments in like as you live your life as there's moments where you're like okay this is definitely a moment in history you know we talked a bit last summer we talked about the raptors winning the championship that was like a big moment in history but obviously this it doesn't even compare to what we're going through right now cuz mm -hmm. i can't really i think the total amount of deaths worldwide Altogether, I think it's over 20,000. And mm -hmm. I can't really, I'm trying to think, I might be wrong, but I'm thinking about a moment in our generation. So you mm -hmm. and I are both 98s, right? So mm -hmm. I'm thinking in our generation, and we've only been really, uh, let's say, um, just, you know, conscious about life, maybe mm -hmm. when we were, maybe in 2004. All right. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where we started paying attention. So in our generation, when, what moment really has caused this much death? Like one singular event, as in like the, the coronavirus that has caused over 20,000 deaths worldwide. I don't think we've, I can't think about a, something like that. Like I just can't at the moment. Yeah. This, this is, this is really huge, man. You can think of, uh, you can think of, uh, 9-11 in the U.S. and, and the effects that it had on other countries as well, but uh, it does not rise to this level. Yeah, because even nine eleven is mm -hmm. kind of a knock on effect. Like you have the nine eleven, then you have the then you the have the wars. war in the Middle East, then you have mm -hmm. so many other things. They're just there's a they're chain of events, but mm -hmm. this is really one. This is really singular. Yeah, it's yeah. very singular. Yeah, and uh, you can think of the economic crisis in in twenty. Uh, in 2008, mm -hmm. but uh, if some forecasts are like some economic forecasts are 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 even much worse than 2008. You know, so this is this is really huge, man. And uh, before we we go on, I, I'd like to also talk about the Ontario's for us in Ontario here. Mm -hmm. uh, just talk about the the response here. The government announced the. Uh, I believe two days ago they announced uh, some uh, some 
some measures that they'll be taking. Mm-hmm. So the first one was that the gov- the government is reserving $2.5 billion to provide continued flexibility to, response, to respond to uh, challenge, the challenging global circumstances. And that is in Ontario, as I said. So the... <clears throat> They have measures for healthcare, such as uh, $1 billion COVID-19 contingency fund to respond to emerging needs. Uh, uh, they have uh, $935 million uh, aimed to aimed at addressing hospital capacities issues, as well as ICUs, critical care beds, equipments, and uh, COVID assessment centers. Yeah. And as you you know this more than I do, uh, uh, given that you you were more involved in in the last uh, uh, provincial elections mm-hmm. than I was, and you know how big uh, just hospital healthcare is in uh, how big of an issue healthcare is in Ontario. You remember you talked to me about the the uh, the bed, the bed, sh- sh- yeah, the yeah. bed issues. This. Yeah, so even the bed shortages, because obviously you work, you work in an election and you hear about these things. And mm-hmm. part of the NDP platform was just trying to end hallway medicine. So patients mm-hmm. getting treated in the hallways. But I don't, I don't, like you can work on a campaign as much as you can, but until you really go to the hospital to see somebody and you see the, just the shortages of beds, like live, just seeing, um, patients in the hallway or use, or like even finding rooms. Like it's, I think there's a, there's just a moment, uh, during, uh, last year when I was in the hospital, uh, to see somebody and I, and I just saw the shortage of beds live. And this was mm-hmm. without the outbreak. And I think that's the first time I'm just like, it really, it really, really, really is that bad. And one thing we need mm-hmm. to keep in mind is that as we're dealing with the COVID outbreak and we're trying to protect our healthcare system, mm-hmm. you have to understand also that people are still coming in with other things other uh, diseases or sicknesses or gunshot wounds or everything. So at the same time, we're trying to treat COVID patients. You're trying to treat also people with other diseases and whatever. And that's mm-hmm. where the healthcare system crumbles, especially in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so there are a bunch of measures here for healthcare. People can go online and, and go through them. I won't go through all of them because we're running short on time. But uh, so f- for workers, I'll just mention a few measures here for each group so the, for workers the, the government announced a 100 million dollars uh, uh reserve for skills training for workers impacted by covid-19 mm-hmm. for businesses the government is uh reserving 6 billion dollars in for is for provincial business tax interests and penalty relief for for 5 months there is also a 300 mil, 300 million $355 million for a temporary increase in employer health tax exemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, for hydro, uh, there's a $1.5 billion increase in uh, electricity relief. This morning, I believe, uh, I believe Hydro One announced that there, there aren't going to be charging fees for late payments till March 15th or around that time. Mm-hmm. So check that out as well, especially now since like all the bills are coming in, you know. So check check out all those measures. For parents and students, there is a $340 million one-time payment of $200 for each child uh, of 
of 12 years old or under. And uh, that is also, that will be $250 for each child that is 12 or under with special needs. So for parents, uh, please check that out. Um, uh, for seniors, there'll be doubling, the doubling of guaranteed annual income system payments for low income seniors. Uh, there's also a new coordination of meals and medicine delivery uh, for students. I think this is this falls mo for most of our lis listeners. Uh, so there's a there's a OSAP repayments are suspended for six months. You know, so just that's good to know. And uh, for Indigenous peoples in Ontario, there's a twenty-six million dollars in emergency assistance for urban Indigenous communities, and there's also a uh, some funds for municipalities such as 1.8 billion dollars to pay for three-month deferral of property tax payments municipalities are required to make to school boards for three months and uh, and those are mostly mostly the measures uh in ontario uh yeah so do you have anything to comment about uh, the ontario measures no i think uh uh, first and foremost, what I've seen, uh, from mm -hmm. Doug Ford. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it's funny. He, cause he was re recently, I think it was yesterday. He was at the press conference. He, he was raging about price gouging. And we know mm -hmm. price gouging is, it's starting to be a big problem. As we saw everywhere, people are trying to take advantage of the situations. They're buying Lysol wipes, whatever, and they're trying to sell mm -hmm. it online. I know some websites have banned those, the sale of these products. So I think that's a big step. But also mm -hmm. Doug Ford, um, from Ontario is, is he specifically said like, we'll come after you, whoever attempts mm -hmm. to price gouge, you know, and, <laughs> and I think, I think for the, for the most part, he's done a good job also sh uh, showing that leadership and showing that he's trying to protect the people first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Also, obviously some people who aren't big fans of Doug Ford kind of mm -hmm. sees him as a, hypocrite obviously because he thinks he's a capitalist a capitalist or whatever and they're like why, why are you mad at price gouging now but not in other cases but i think for the most part he's done a good job and he's done he's shown the leadership that we expect from our premier and all these all these plans put in place and i'm happy that they finally got the 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 bill passed and they reached an agreement i think will ultimately ultimately help the country but also he kind of didn't um I guess you're gonna get into the time. You want to get to get into the timeline, but when I initially thought that the liberals were trying to sneak in, you know, uh, just trying to sneak in more power for that they mm -hmm. don't have to get parliamentary funding, you brought to me another theory that I didn't think about. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll 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 get into that just in a second here. But uh, so yeah, about the uh, Doug Ford. Uh, before we we get carried out in, in the timeline thing, uh, so you've seen a bunch of people are writing that uh, he's doing a, a really good job. Uh, it's quite a, it's quite surprising that the Toronto Star, which obviously knows, everybody knows that is mostly opposed to Doug Ford, has been. I saw a bunch of op-eds saying that he's shown well, good leadership in this in this time of crisis yeah. so for the most part i believe that our like the, the lead the political leaders in canada's have in canada have been quite responsible whether it be on the federal level or provincial levels i haven't seen any case of really outrageous uh, like something that's really outrageous or something that's uh, 
causing as much controversy as in the US. Mm -hmm. But there is that one uh, provision that was sneaked in the deal. And uh, we'll get into that. But uh, so yeah, so I'll, I just want to talk a bit, little bit about the bill before we talk about uh, the, the, the negotiations and why it caused controversy. So I, I, I'd like people to, to get a sense of what powers this, this act of parliament uh, that was recently passed has given to, to government, right? Mm -hmm. So I, uh, two, two things that I'd really like to, uh, to highlight are, so the first thing here, the first thing here is the is the public health public health uh, event of national concern. So this is uh, so this is part three of the bill. So so um, so this section here in the bill, uh, if I I can just read it, I think it will be much easier. So uh, the the act here says, just give me a second. Okay, if after consulting with the chief public of public health officer officer appointed under subsection 61 blah 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 of public health agency of canada act and any uh, any of the officers in the provinces and territories occupying a similar position that the minister of health considers appropriate in the circumstances the health minister the minister of health uh, determines that there is a public health event of national concern, then there may be paid out uh, of the cons consolidated revenue fund on the requisition of uh, a federal minister and with the concurrence of the Minister of Finance and the Minister of Health, all monies, all money required to do anything in relation to that public health event of national concern. So basically, it's saying that uh, after discussing with the uh, like uh, officials of public health in provinces and uh, and such, if the minister of health deems that it is appropriate, there is a public health event of national concern. Uh, basically, the government can take money out of the consolidated revenue fund, which is basically the which is basically the fund where all the tax money goes. So, and uh, th these are the things that uh, the minister may may do, uh, that the act allows the minister to do. So it says the things that may be done in relation to a public health event of national concern, including, in, include A, acquiring medical supplies, B, providing assistance to provinces and territories to help cover the cost of safety and emergency response needs, C, provide income support including the Canada Canada emergency response benefits and defunding public health related federal programs and covering expenses incurred by federal departments and agencies so and uh, the last thing here I'd like to mention is that this 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 section here is uh, is repealed will be repealed basically on September 30th of 20. 2020 so this year so so this is so this is one of uh, like of the parts that jumped out to my eyes because mm -hmm. it basically gives the the minister of health and uh, and finance power to like basically they can that's why i said the, they'll be able to 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 have more flexibility to whether to 
to give more payments to like payments to aid Canadians during this time because basically here it says that uh, the minister can can basically take out money however she deems necessary to pay Canadians mm -hmm. you know and and this is quite a big power because you so if to understand the Canadian system of government you have to understand that uh, the government decides how to spend the money right so the government presents a budget and it is the house that approves spendings so every so all the spendings that the government does has to be approved in the house but this this part of the of the act what it of the bill does what it does is basically give consent to the government to spend money you know to, till september uh till september 3rd year of this year so and as we're talking about you remember as we're talking about the the leak of uh, the government wanting to have well this power for 21 months you know yeah. so instead of 21 months we have it uh, till september and although there's still there's still some uh, oversight because there's there's like i believe there's two committees uh currently well, that will be meeting every i believe every two weeks but uh, if they deem so they won't they, they can choose not to meet so it is most likely that if the government does not screw up those committees will not will not meet and then uh so that kind of keeps the government in check but the the other the other thing that i'd like to mention that is in the bill is the the part 18 of the bill which which addresses employment insurance so basically this is what the this part says it says the minister this the minister of finance in this case the minister may for the purposes for the purpose of mitigating the economic effects of the coronavirus 20 coronavirus disease 2019 covid 19 make interim orders that a add provisions including provisions that provide new benefits to this act or any other any regulation made under this act B adopt provisions of this act or any regulations made under this act. C provide provide that any provisions of this act or regulation made under this act does not apply in whole or in part. So the restriction here is that uh, so it says an interim order is not made under subsection blah blah blah. But basically the the restrict the restrictions here aren't uh, as tougher as they are on the the other part that i just mentioned yeah uh so but for this part the the powers cannot be used after september 30th but it does not say that the effects of of these powers may not go beyond 20 uh september 30th so basically the minister might so for, to understand how huge this is basically this says the minister may ch can basically change legislation you know mm. this is quite a huge deal so the minister of finance bill morneau can basically modify this piece of legislation until september 30th okay and uh, so it can add provisions through uh ordering councils and adapt so that's why i said it's you have a, a really big room for flexibility mm -hmm. so and the like the the thing that uh that I'm not sure that uh, m many people know is that the effects that of these powers may be carried way past, uh, way beyond September 30th. You know, mm -hmm. um, 
And uh, I believe this was, so this was, it was because of this part that Michael Chong, who's a, conserv a conservative, said that he won't, he will not support this bill. So he, he didn't support this bill, but the way uh, this bill was fast-tracked, you didn't need to have uh, individual votes. So you didn't need to count individual votes. Uh, so long as basically most people voted for, you know, the bill was passed. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. So if, so taking this into account, we can, we can go into the timeline here. So, um, uh, so I'd, I'd like to mention the first thing about the timeline. I'd like to men mention what the, the Minister of Health, Patty Haidu, uh, said in the Senate as there is, they're discussing the bill after it passed the, the House of Commons. So, um, so there was one senator who asked uh, the Minister of Health how long they expect uh, they expect this crisis to to continue, right? And then she gives out uh, uh, she gives out a long answer, and she says that uh, obviously you cannot know science is hard to develop, uh, blah blah blah. So uh, she said. She said, uh, "Look, this is what she said. Thank you, Senator. I think uh, that's the burning question on every Canadian's mind. In fact, every global citizen's mind. How do we get out of uh, the situation that we find ourselves in as a world? Blah, 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 blah. And then um, she said something like, I remind honorable senators that this virus has been with us for three months and science is hard times. Science takes time. Science takes some level of certainty. I want to take all researchers and scientists globally working to flat out blah blah blah. But that's but the, the most important the most important uh, part of her answer is this. So she said, "I will be presenting later today to cabinet some of our most hopeful scenarios. They're not necessarily what Canadians would like to hear." Dr. Tam has been very clear, and so have I. This is not a matter of a couple of weeks. We're talking, as you pointed out, a couple of months. Mm. Uh, I think the entire world is looking for a solution to help us get out of this situation much more quickly, but we'll need to rely on our scientists and researchers to help us do so safely. And uh, the other thing also I'd like to add, so, so that was the Minister of Health, and today, Earlier today, the the chief public health officer and the dep and the deputy chief uh, public health officer officer said that uh, we'll be grappling with COVID nineteen for many months. It won't be days or weeks. So, mm -hmm. so as for the timeline, we know at least now we know it won't be days. It won't be weeks. It's going to be months. And if yeah. you can. If you can really read in between lines, uh, in between the lines and the powers that were giving to government, first of all, they were giving till September 30th, and then, and in the bill, in the bill, the first bill proposed by the government, the government was trying to get those powers for 21 months. So, I do, I don't want to be alarmist here, and I don't want to say that. This is what the government is expecting, but if you can, like, if you can piece it together, you can see that the government is expect ex expecting that this will take many months. Yeah. Maybe uh, it'll probably take, like, it'll go into the summer and probably all the way to uh, the 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 year. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't even know. So the 
the parliament is adjourned till April 30, 20th, but um, it's really quite unlikely that they'll come back. Uh, the parliament might, might not be sitting till the end of the year, mm -hmm. and that's quite a, a uh, that's a, that's a possibility uh, that the parliament does not come back for, for the rest of the year. Yeah. We don't know. Uh, so the timeline is is still unknown, but is expressed in in months, not weeks. So I uh, I think for people listening to this, uh, you have to know that this thing is going to take months, not weeks or days. Yeah, exactly. I think I think the timeline has been something like probably the most asked question, like everywhere, yeah, literally <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, and uh, if I, I can add about the the economic consequences, so the uh, the Parliament's budget watchdogs, the PBO, uh, uh, the Parliamentary Budget of Office, basically said that uh, they predict the the economy will go down five percent uh, yeah. for this year. So, which which will be the the weakest on record since 1962. Um, in the same report, they predicted that uh, unemployment rates could rise up to 15% in the third quarter as a result of this pandemic. Um, so, but uh, so this report, which was made public on Friday, uh, projected that uh, the federal deficit in the coming fiscal year could be uh, 100, $112.7 billion dollars. Uh, Instead of uh, 80, 89.5 billion dollars that were made in the in the previous forecasts, mm -hmm. and 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 I believe this report does not take into account uh, the measures that the government announced recently. So whether it be instead of uh, uh, 82 billion dollars, it packaged uh, a a one point one hundred seven billion aid package, and um, whether it be uh, a instead of a 10% wage subsidy, a 75% wage subsidy. So the the federal deficit will skyrocket for sure. You know, and uh, I believe there, yeah, I, in the US, I believe it's the same too. Uh, I believe they, uh, uh, there were some uh, forecasts that in, in the third, in the second, uh, in, that uh, the GDP might go down by five percent for this uh, for this trimester, and then go down by like twenty five percent for the following one. Yeah, you know. So, uh, yeah, man, it's it's going to it's it, this is a crisis that's going to take a quite some time, and uh, yeah, uh, and we'll be here to give you information on every measure the the government is taking, and you can follow us on Twitter. You're doing a good job at that. Yeah, uh, yeah, fam, you need to get back on, on Twitter. <laughs> I'm no. out here by myself. <laughs> yeah, Twitter, yeah, man. I, I, I deleted my account. It wasn't it wasn't good for me. <laughs> so it was too much information, man. It's uh and too much uh, too much outrage, you know. Yeah. You you get pissed off quite quite a lot in during the day and you know, th this is the the issue with social media. If we if we can take this, if we can talk about this a little bit, it's that uh, like you obviously everybody has their views, right? And yeah, but on social media, you you get pissed off about a bunch of things, mm 
every every time, especially Twitter, it's like especially political Twitter. I don't think mm -hmm. this is the same for uh, for people who use Twitter for. Uh, other than politics mm -hmm. but in politics i feel like you you just really get pissed off at it, like way often and it, it, it's not good for it's it wasn't good for me you know so mm -hmm. uh, that's why i decided to just delete my twitter mm -hmm. and uh, and the thing you realize is that oftentimes those instances that that you express outrage they're yeah. not even about uh, meaningful stuff you know mm -hmm. like if you look back on it like two days three days or a month after you'll just be like okay this is just another moron who's saying stuff you know I this think is just trump tweeting stuff or whatever it may be for you mm -hmm. but uh, yeah that's why i just prefer to actually just go and proactively get my news instead of having the news thrown at me mm -hmm. i think what i what i go into twitter with is just the um, the mindset that this is not the opinion of the majority it's uh, mm -hmm. like if 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 you're able to distinguish that then i think you're you're in a much a much better place because at times it's like because just you hear this argument coming from this from this one side and then the microphone's very loud so it seems as if mm -hmm. it's a majority opinion but I think if you're able to just think this might not be the majority opinion, then you're kind mm -hmm. of good. But also my Twitter feed is, is, uh, I would say maybe 50%, 50%, uh, politics and then other 50% just, just jokes and all that stuff. So I've, I've, I've built mm -hmm. up a good time since I've had Twitter for like over four years. So I've built that. But mm -hmm. since you came in, came into the game a bit late, your timeline mm -hmm. is just, it's not built like it's not it's just built geared towards one thing so yeah mm -hmm. if i was in your case too i would be like nah i'm out of here yeah 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 that's that's the best decision i've made in the past year so yeah i, I, I don't regret it now we can get into just to finish off the show just some stuff we've been binging the week and during the mm -hmm. week you want to start with what you've been binging whether it's books yeah. with documentaries yeah it's, yeah so i've not been binging a lot of things and uh yeah i haven't been reading that much either and but just one thing basically and it it was in last year's recommendation i took up your recommendation of uh, uh watching outlander oh so yeah, I, yeah what do you think what do you think <laughs> yeah it's why it's quite good man it's really interesting i finished the first season so mm -hmm. between whoa <laughs> between oh my days now and last the last time we recorded so yeah yeah that's quite a bench so yeah and you have so much more to go man you're a lucky guy that's why i always look at people when they start a show i suggested i'm like you're mm -hmm. very lucky to be to not like i wish I, I didn't know the show you know those ones like a lot yeah. of people they look at it like wow you, you never watched this wow i can't believe but i look at it like i'm like yeah you're privileged you're very privileged <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that privilege. I was about to say that white privilege. <laughs> You're privilege. Yeah, just, I'm just joking for people who don't know. No, you're serious. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, what about you? What, what have you been binging? Well, this week I've been binging the English game, which is also on Netflix. So basically, for those who don't know, the FA Cup is one of the oldest uh, football or soccer tournaments in England. 
in the in the UK. Basically, it's one of the most also prestigious tournaments because anybody could technically enter the tournament. Any like semi-pro amateur team enters a tournament, and you have all these English English teams. So starting from teams that are just in your lo- local town, they might not even be all of them might not even be professionals. Half of these guys might be um working in a factory you know working at the grocery store whatever but they get together they make they have their team and then you work your way up there's a lot of rounds and the craziest part is that you also have primary league teams in this tournament too so for those lower level teams those semi-pro teams or teams with like just no more regular guys if they make it to the later rounds they might play a team like arsenal manchester city etc etc and that is such for those guys, obviously, it's, it's a it's a big deal, and it's one of those things. It's like a magical moment where you see kind of two words collide, right? So this, the English game, which is uh, on Netflix, is basically it just shows the history of the cup. It's the the setting of uh, the English game. I believe it's in the late. Uh, let me just get it up here. So the setting is in. So yeah. The setting of the show is in just a moment. Drum roll, please. This is drum roll, please. Uh, <laughs> where is well it's, well? it's in the 19th century. Just to okay. to put it uh, boldly, so basically, it's just a a cotton mill owner in a working working class town of Darwin hires two Scottish football players to join the local team in hopes of competing for the FA Cup title. So. Yeah, definitely. So the FA Cup is just one of those tournaments that are magical. And to be able to have a documentary, not a documentary, but a show that uh, obviously a dramatized show, but a dramatized historical show, as you know, I love those shows. Like a show like mm-hmm. that is, 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 I've been binging it. Like I like it a lot. Like it's showing great promise. All right. Yeah, that's basically yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything else to add uh, about the. Uh... I don't. Do you have anything else to add? No, not really. So, basically, this was Beyond Culture. Uh, Goodbye and good night. Good night.